are in the third week of a series we're calling Simple But Not Easy. Life is complicated, but like all the great sages of history, Jesus cuts through the complexity with simple yet profound wisdom. He offers us wisdom that is simple and easy to understand, but again, not easy to apply. It's not easy because it challenges us to grow emotionally and spiritually, and we tend to push back because we've become accustomed to our ways of doing things. We push back emotionally because it doesn't feel right to our own emotional composition, because we don't quite have the spiritual maturity to apply his teachings. Jesus' teachings do require us to grow in humility and to live in the light of God's kingdom instead of the kingdom of this world. His wisdom and insight into human nature challenges us to change from the inside out. He's challenging us to change our very character. So, as we're saying, his teachings are not easy at first, but over time, they will become easier, set us up for more successful living. Two weeks ago, we looked at what to do when someone wrongs us or sins against us. Jesus offers us pretty straightforward uh, directions. He says, go to the person and sort it out with them. And if that doesn't work, bring some other folks along to help moderate and manage the conversation and to keep the temperature down. How much less drama would there be in our families or workplaces if everyone followed Jesus' teaching? I know it would certainly have helped in my family with my father's short fuse, very short fuse, my mother's candy coating everything, my sister's bursting into tears at the drop of a hat, my brother's never saying a word, and my endless questions of why, but why, but why, and my mother saying, will you stop? Well, I didn't. <laughs> Enough of my family. I'm sure your family has its own drama. Last week, we looked at the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is often misunderstood as mentioning that a wrong done to me really doesn't matter. But that's not what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness is simply canceling the debt. Yeah, canceling the debt once and for all. No strings attached. It is saying that someone does not owe me any more. They don't owe me more respect. She doesn't owe me her commitment. Uh, you're not owed me honesty anymore. And I don't get it. None of those things do I get. But I'm canceling the debt. I'm canceling what you owed me. Sure, it can be difficult to do so. But it's so much easier to cancel the debt than to run around with the baggage of anger and bitterness all these years. Yeah. Today we want to look at a simple fact of life that we all can acknowledge, but which we can be rather difficult for us to get over. For parents here and online, you probably remind your kids of this fact many times a day, but it's a fact that we all need to be reminded of from time to time. I'll start the phrase and you guess the last word. Life isn't... Yeah, you got it. 
That's it. Life isn't fair. Every day we all witness people getting things we don't think they deserve. Or it seems like other people's lives work out well for them. There are people we all know who seem to have it all. Good looks, wealth, smarts, popularity, the gift of a great personality. For you guys out there, we look at how much money the other guy makes or his title. We ask, why doesn't he make, why does he make more money than me? We compare ourselves at the gym. How do I fare when I stand next to him? Oh my gosh, I wish I were bigger, stronger, taller. I wonder if I arm wrestled him, who'd, well, I'm not gonna try that, that's for sure. Or we wonder, as women, and I admittedly here I'm in little experience, but, but you may compare your looks to other women, or your home to another's home, or your kids on the lacrosse field, or the glamour or lack of glamour of your job versus theirs. So for men and women, we look around and it feels like other people seem to get all the breaks all the time. Doors just seem to swing open for them. They don't seem to have to work hard as we do. And it seems like everything comes easy for them. And we think life isn't, boy, you know that word. And you know that phrase, don't you? It's part of human nature. No matter how much we have, we can look to someone else who seems to have more and seems to have it better. And from this comparing arises this cry, life isn't fair. It's easy to get upset about the resources and blessings that other folks enjoy. Now, I know none of that exists here in Timonium, uh, not even in northern Baltimore County. It really happens all those people online, wherever they are. At least I'm safe saying I'm just a laugh to get your attention out there as well. This is a universal problem. And as I said, a part of human nature, priests included. Father, why didn't I do it all the time? We compare our parish to others. Of course, we know the best parish. Yeah, no, you know what I'm trying to say. We compare parishes, we compare programs, we compare staff, we compare, I don't know, all sorts of things. And it's this very problem that Jesus is addressing in a parable from the 20th chapter of St. Matthew. He gives us a very simple cure to the angst, the stress, the issue, and the emotional waste of energy that comes from getting upset at what other people have. Let's look at how Jesus tells the story. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. And then comes this very important phrase, after agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. So, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a vineyard who has a grape harvest. He needs help. He needs extra help picking the grapes before they spoil. So he, does, he goes to the marketplace to look for some temporary laborers to help him. This would be a very common experience in the days of Jesus. Men who didn't have a regular job uh, were out of work. They'd go to the marketplace each morning hoping to find some work being offered to day laborers. These guys were probably struggling financially, if not poor. Well, anyway, on this day, they have the good fortune of getting hired 
by the owner of the local vineyard. And they agree to the normal pay for that work, and off they go to the vineyard. Now, Jesus sets up the drama of this parable by having the vineyard owner go out several times. So going out a second time about 9 o'clock, the vineyard owner sees others standing in the marketplace, and he says to them, you two go into my vineyard and, very important phrase, I will give you what is just. So they went off. In this verse, the three hours have passed. Measurements of time in Jesus' day were always approximate in the absence of clocks and watches. So with about a quarter of the daylight hours gone, the owner is out to the marketplace again at approximately 9 a.m. He's there because he's realized that he needs more help to get the day's harvesting done. If he doesn't get more help and quickly, his grapes will spoil. So back to the marketplace, he's trotted, and finding still other guys hanging around looking for work, he says, come work for me, I'll give you what is just. And he goes out a third time, this time around noon, and then a fourth time. Now it's three o'clock, doing likewise. Finally, he goes out a fifth time around five o'clock and finds still a few who had not been hired. They've been sitting in the marketplace all day, standing. He pipes up. Why do you stand here, idle all day? They answer, because no one has hired us. He says to them, you two, go into my vineyard. So four times, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, the owner of the vineyard goes out and finds men who have not been working all day long and puts them to work. Now, things get exciting. Well, actually, they get heated. And Jesus will have a very important point to make for you today to hear that could change how you see things. When evening comes, the owner of the vineyard says to the foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. Hmm. It's now 6 o'clock. The sun is setting, and the foreman brings in all the workers to get their money. Little factoid here. The Torah of the Jewish, the Jewish law required that hired workers be paid at the end of the day because they were generally poor and needed the money right away as they lived pretty much hand to mouth. So all the guys who have worked starting at each of the five times of the day gather around in this large circle to get paid. The first men to get paid are the ones who started working at 5 p.m., then working backwards, every one of the other groups, 3, 12, 9, and lastly, 6 a.m., get paid. It's precisely here where the story heats up. Well, actually, it boils over. When those who had started at 5 o'clock come forward, each receives the usual daily wage. Yeah, a full day's wage. Measurement of time, excuse me, I've got to turn the page. So when it's time for the first to come forward, they're thinking they'll receive more. However, things get very hot. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying these last ones worked 
only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. The same pay for 12 hours of backbreaking work in the blazing sun versus one hour as the sun is setting gently over the horizon. And the same pay. Are you kidding? Talk about life not being fair. Well, we'll see Jesus is all set to take on a very surprise ending. In fact, he has had it in mind when he set up the story. Just for grins, may I see a show of hands of those who have some sympathy for these guys who worked all day long. Okay, online, Westminster, Mount Airy, Phoenix, very good, okay. I guess I'd have to agree with you. After all, they definitely worked harder. They seemed to have the right to complain. And if they were in the same situation, we would be thinking the same thing. You raised your hand. All that acknowledged, let's go a little deeper into Jesus' response to their outrage. First, let's note the complaint of the 6 a.m. workers. You can sum it up as these words. You raised them up, they're screaming. You have made them equal to us, they're yelling. You were generous to them, they're complaining. And your generosity isn't fair. A lot of turmoil in these guys. The whole group is grumbling, complaining that the owner has given the other workers more than they deserved. At the heart of their argument is that the landowner is generous The landowner has given more than expected to others, and it wasn't given to them. Face it, my friends, there's a bit of what we look like in that. We compare ourselves to others, and we feel like they have more than us. We start to grumble and complain. You know, we know it's not good for us, yet the group grumbles and complains that there's that phrase again, it's not fair. Comparing does that. And Jesus replies, my friend emphasized, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what's yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Notice that the landowner takes one of the crowd members aside and addresses him as my friend. It's clear that the owner has no malice or ill towards the men who worked for the beginning of the day. He isn't trying to insult the early workers. He's paid them what was agreed upon and what was just, and he's given them what they were owed. It's just that he's choosing to give the other four working groups more than they were owed. And realize it, that if the 6 a.m. workers at the end of the day had never compared themselves to the other workers and had been paid first and had left happiest clams, they would not have been, they would have been content with what they received. Their discontent comes in their comparing. Yeah, comparing. Comparing is a no-win game. Comparing can rob you of the joy for what you do have. The Jesuit father, James Martin, says, compare and despair. It's true. Compare, and you are very likely headed for darkness and despair. After Jesus makes his point about being fair, 
he digs into the motivation of this group's complaining. It could be our complaint as well that he speaks to. Am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Or Nicholas, are you envious because I am generous? Notice, they are envious of the others because of the owner's generosity. They're not jealous of his generosity. What's the difference? Jealousy can be a good thing. It means you want some specific thing that someone else has. God is jealous for our hearts. He wants us to make him first. You can be jealous of someone who has a great marriage, a great job. Your neighbor in the cul-de-sac who has a greener lawn than yours. Jealousy means you want what he has. No problem here. Actually, jealousy can motivate you to get up off your duff and work harder and make your own lawn greener. Just get up and purchase some Scott's Turf Builder and know what to do next Saturday. Jealousy's good. Envy, on the other hand, means that you want to take away something good from someone else. So you backbite, you gossip, you throw negative vibes. You want to destroy their happiness, their good blessing, their good fortune. It would be like you getting up at night, going over your, to your neighbor's lawn and planting weeds. The owner of the vineyard gives generously to everyone. He gives a generous pay to those who did not work all day long. He gives generous tough feedback to the people who complain. He gives generously with the truth that they are acting with envy. Yeah, it's envy that's motivating them. Father Michael last week talked about how a parable, in a parable, someone is always God and someone is always us. In today's account, the owner of the vineyard represents God. God is generous. God gives lavishly. He gives graciously more than we are owed, more than we deserve. I mean, just think. Jesus Christ, his own son. We have far more than we deserve. When we turned our backs on God, God didn't turn his back on us. And Jesus came to save us from the darkness, from despair, from envy. God invites us to inherit his kingdom as his daughters and sons, to reap these rewards by working in his vineyard no matter what hour of the day, as we heard in the parable. So when we start comparing ourselves to what others have, we might admit to ourselves that comparing could be turning to jealousy. Not bad. Jealousy, however, can be headed for envy. We need to admit that envy will not take us anywhere good. But it's not enough to know this here. We need a tool to employ it. When we find ourselves comparing ourselves to others so that comparing doesn't lead to despairing, to darkness, to gossip, to backbiting, to ill will. Let me offer you two formulas. One headed toward despair, the other headed toward transformation. As I just said, the first leads to darkness and despair. The formula is comparing, arrow, jealousy, arrow, envy. We've just seen this formula played out in the gospel. The good news is that there's another formula, Nicholas's formula, a formula for transformation. It's comprised of three C's 
so you can remember it easily on the test you'll all be taking next week, no test. The three C's are comparing, the same, can lead to counting, can lead to celebrating. Permit me to explain. In my formula, comparing is good. All comparing is good, as long as it moves you to counting, counting your own blessings. The many good things God has given you. To apply my formula, choose an item where you're prone to compare yourself to others. Your house, your salary, your talents, your popularity, your looks, your smarts, the title you bear at work, clothes, car, the school your kids go to, ouch. That comparison can take you to counting, counting the blessing instead that you do have in that regard, the blessing of your home, your salary, your talents, your school. The counting of your blessing then will take you gently into celebrating by sharing what it is that you do have with others or by giving thanks to God for the blessing of your family or your work. Such a simple concept, but admittedly not easy. But now, ah, now we have two formulas that both begin with comparing, but end very differently. The title of the series may be simple, but not easy. My hope is that applying the second of these two formulas will make it a bit easier. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. And keep in mind when life isn't, don't compare or you'll, whew, you got the message. Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.